All right, ladies and gentlemen,、uh, welcome back. This is Tom here, Tennis of Melbourne Combo City of Love, and today I'm very lucky to have. Before I say who, right now it's about seven o'clock here in Melbourne, and I、uh, all, on the other side of the world it's about three four o'clock at Tennessee, America. Now,、uh, Bill, you want to say hello to our family and friends. Hey, everyone down、uh, in Melbourne. <laughs>、um, Bill, have you been to <laughs> Melbourne? I have actually.、Uh, I've been three or four times. I was lucky enough to be a speaker at the Grand Slam Coaches Conference there for Tennis Australia、uh, on a number of occasions, and、uh, also spoke up in Sydney at the tournament and in Brisbane. So、uh, I had a chance to kind of get around the country a little bit、okay. in the last、uh, few years. And what's your first impression of Melbourne? Well, I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, Melbourne is one of the cities where I feel like I could pick up and move to、um, anywhere, anytime. I just, I just love it.、Uh, you know, the, the people are great, the food is great, and and you know, how can you not like the city? You know, it just, it's just a great vibe. Okay.、So. Um, now I got to get this out of the way, and again, please don't take it personal. But、um, do you enjoy Melbourne's coffee? Well, so here's the thing. I, I'm not a coffee person. Okay.、Um, I probably like one of the only people, few people on the planet that doesn't drink、uh, coffee.、Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just kind of like a basic,、uh, you know, water、uh, kind of a guy. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm too basic. Yeah. All right. That, that's good. You know, water is the best hydration. Full stop. You know. So.、Um, <laughs> and I was going to say that、uh, you mentioned you. You said you've been to Melbourne for the、um, for the conference、um, at Grand Slam. Now,、um, how do you find Melbourne heat? You know, we we have to. You know, in, in here we call Celsius, so it's you know forty forty five degrees. I think over there it's probably like one hundred and ten hundred twenty degrees. How do you cope with that? Um, you know, it's it's not so bad, honestly.、Um, you know, where I'm from down south,、um, we have not only heat in the summertime, but we'll have humidity as well,、uh, which is not good for my hairstyle. But、uh, <laughs> we 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 will have、uh, you know 100 degrees of heat as well as you know 100% humidity, and it's just it can be miserable. I, I found Melbourne to be、uh, quite nice.、Uh, a lot of times, it's kind of like our Our southwest area、uh, in the United States, so it's a little bit more of a dry heat. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't mind it at all, really. Right. Okay. So now, as a coach, how do you how do you work with say junior players? You know,、um, when they're dealing with you know things like heat. You know, like heat is a big one because heat causes cramp. Because I myself, as a sports trainer background, so I'm dealing with injuries all the time. So, as a coach, what are、right. some of the things in preparation to go? All right, cool. All right, squads, or you know, ten, fifteen of them, or maybe even just you know, one or two. What are some of the things you prepare to go to a heat or humid climate、um, in order for a player to optimize his or her performance? Well, you know, it, it's a good question,、uh, and, and I'm actually faced with that pretty much on, on an ongoing basis because we'll have a lot of players over the years that will come in、uh, to play tournaments or train here in the United States in the summertime, or, or you know, at my club or down here in the South. And especially those those kids that maybe come over from Europe, where they're not used to the excessive heat or the humidity or the combination of those two items right there, 
You know, so what, what we do a lot of times is, is just make sure that they're educated, understanding that they've got to hydrate the day before mm-hmm. what they're eating and drinking the day or two before they, they compete or they even get here mm-hmm. uh, will, will make a huge difference because, uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of a lot of kids that will show up first day of, of practice or get ready for a tournament and they just crumble under the, uh, the heat because they're not, they're not ready. They haven't prepared their body um, to, to be you know, subjugated to, to something like like extreme heat. Mm, okay. Now, um, forgive my, um, I guess, lack of understanding. Now, for those who don't know, um, I saw Bill a few minutes ago on on Facebook, and I said, "Hey, you wanna you wanna have a little chat?" And he said, "Sure, let's do it." And um, I sent a few samples. He's like, "Okay, cool, no worries. Let's talk in ten minutes." So this is how much I got to know you. So. If you don't mind, um, if you can say, um, in your experience and opinion, um, what would be, say, one or two differences you found in, say, Tennessee tennis or U.S. tennis uh, uh, versus Australian tennis, based on what you what you know? Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, we've had a lot of uh, Australian players come over um, and play college tennis, yeah. and um, you know, tour the tour the, the states. In uh, my time over in Australia, you know, there's there's probably way more similarities than there are differences. Um, you know, our our structure from tournaments are very similar. Um, our junior development pathways mm-hmm. very similar. Um, you know, we've got, uh, a former Tennis Australia executive who's now working with USTA helping to develop our, our, our kind of our 10 and under program and pathway. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of similarities, uh, in what we, we have. And I think probably when you look at the countries out there, mm-hmm. you know, globally, um, probably, uh, you know, the U.S., Australia are, are, they're probably the most similar to each other. Uh, you know, kind of maybe mixed in there is Canada as well, but, but yeah, I think there's way more similarities in there. There are any differences. Right. Okay. Now, um, I'm not sure if, uh, America has, or USA has this, this issue is that in Australia, I wouldn't say issue, but as such, but in, in Australia, we, like, let's say Melbourne in this case, we love our sports. We got rugby, you know, other sports and Australian rules for football and all that. Now, do you think as a tennis coach and do you, were, were there a lot of cases where, uh, players would go, you know what, I'm not really enjoying tennis or, you know what, I think other sports are more suitable. So you get that sort of a co- bit of a competition in the, from other industry or other sport to say, hey, you know, don't play tennis, you've got to pick up balls, come play basketball, come play gridiron, you know, this is a, you, you get more team environment. Is that something um, you have to face uh, from time to time? Yeah, I think probably for for us, it's definitely uh, the the team sports like uh, baseball, American football, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, soccer, to even to to some extent, depending on the part of the country you're in. Um, you know, basketball, those those team sports, even even maybe some volleyball for some of the girls. But but uh, I think those team sports definitely attract uh, you know a lot of the kids. You know, because they're able to play with their friends. It's it's based around the school systems, there's a lot of times where, you know, that's that's kind of their, not only their competition, but also their social networks and mm-hmm. their social outlets uh, with their friends and families and whatnot. And so, you know, we, we are up against that, but it's really interesting because, you know, since 
the, the pandemic hit since March, you know, many of our team sports have, have shut down, yep. uh, and are, are very limited. So we're not running the normal schedule that we would have. And what we have found to be completely true is that, uh, more kids, families, and people in general have gravitated to the tennis courts <laughs> and to golf wow. because they, the courts did not shut down. They, many of them stayed open. Uh, even though some of the programming and activities might have slowed or, or scaled back, the court stayed open so people could go to the courts, play tennis with their friends or their family, be uh, be socially distant um, right off the bat, you know, because you're 70-something feet away. Yeah. And um, casual tennis and individual lessons across our country has really – uh, those numbers have really in- increased during the pandemic. Wow. Now, the real question is, the, the question would be, can we keep those when when everything opens back up and we become normal again? Um, that's that's the real question. But, yeah, we, we've had a, a really interesting time period with this, and I, I've seen a, re, a resurgence of tennis that I, I haven't seen in some 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, where where you know a year ago or, or five years ago we were we were struggling sometimes to compete with those team sports uh, soccer camp and football and baseball camps uh, now we we have kind of cornered the market a little bit nice well yeah but uh, I'm not gonna say blessing in disguise but it's it's really interesting <laughs> how how over here uh, is is very similar too because tennis and, and golf. Uh, is uh, one of the you know few sports that sort of like starting to 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 arise a little bit because everyone sort of shifted to that to this to that landscape and you know we we over here in Melbourne we have a thing called like non-contact sport and contact sport so non-contact sports are the more are the ones who really really get that advantage so yeah it will be really interesting right. to see 2021 now coming back to uh, you mentioned that you've been you know uh, coaching for more than 30 years and this is probably the questions uh, I'm very fascinated uh, with is that in your years of experience what would you say one difference between a good coach and a great coach uh, that's, a, that's a really good question I, I think the thing that probably separates and, and I, I don't know that I can put my finger on just one item so if you permit I go, I'm going to give you two that are yep. kind of tied at the top mm-hmm. for me the, the difference uh, many, many times is a combination of passion and education. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when you're passionate about what you're doing and you are, you're fueling that passion with continuing education and finding ways to get better, um, then I think that's what, that's what separates those coaches. Um, I think you see that time and time again. Um, not only in, in tennis, but, but other sports. I mean, you, you look to American football or baseball or, you know, you, you find these, these coaches or these leaders of teams or organizations that are highly passionate about what it is they're doing. It's not necessarily winning. It's about what it is they're doing, mm-hmm. the message they're getting across and, and the way they go about it. And when you combine that with their, their, Ability to just go out there and consume information and in education and you know implement that into what they're doing, th- that is a difference maker right there in what what you have. Uh, way too often, you know, coaches will just kind of go through the motion. I mean, they they get that job. Uh, you know, I think in, in a tennis world, you, you see this sometimes where a, a coach lands a big time job at a big facility and. 
you know, they just kind of coast through things and yeah, they, they just kind of skate through mean. life. And, yep. mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and they're, they're, you don't see the passion and you don't see them continuing their education because they feel like they've made it. And, you know, I, I, luckily I, I've, I've seen the other side of that and, um, uh, you know, that, that would be my take on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned about facility and, and I think my interpretation of what you said was there will be coaches where um, he or she may land at a, a good contract or a good status and then possibly have less passion and, you know, and, and then just sort of just stay there and, you know, just sitting on its, its status. Now, my interpretation on top of that is the ego. Now, um, yeah. how do you play with the status and ego to in saying how people can respect you as well as learning with you? Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think um, ego is one of those things that sometimes just gets in the way, not only as a coach, but players or just, just in life in general. You know, the, the good things happen and all of a sudden, you know, you kind of get this this inflated self-worth uh, and this... Um, you know, this, this ego kind of comes along with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes, you know, life will give you, uh, throw you a punch that, you know, kind of puts, puts it in perspective. I, I find a lot of times that the coaches that, um, you know, wor- continue to work with, um, you know, beginners and mm-hmm. adults and kids and they, they, they work with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they tend to stay a bit more grounded sometimes, and this is just, you know, what I've seen in somewhat of my opinion. I've got no numbers to back this up, but what I see a lot of times is that coach who lands the big-time job or the big-time uh, performance coaching role, and they just become a bit disconnected, um, and then that ego gets inflated. And the reality is, you know, our job is to, to you know, educate and facilitate improvement and, you know, whether it be with a high performance player or whether it be a beginner player or a small kid. And I think finding ways to stay grounded, and I think one of the easiest ways to stay grounded is continuing to work Mm -hmm. with those different levels and and find a way to continue to love, you know, the sport and what you're you're part of. Now, that is so true. And um, I've done some homework in terms of just talking to a couple of uh, college coaches. And um, in my opinion, and also in my opinion, I feel like because um, Australia comparing to, to, say, USA, let's say, for example, there is only 100 top, let's say, for example, there's so much you can have to, to uh, opportunity to, to go to the pro but in, in the States, you have, you got the college and you got pro and then, so it creates a lot of different pathway. Now, in, in your opinion, do you think that, um, players are more likely if they have a chance these days, um, because the opportunity of going college, they're more likely to go college first? Um, well, you know, I think if, if, you know, those people that are listening in have mm-hmm. never experienced, um, top college, um, athletics, I mean, th- these schools like Alabama and Georgia and UCLA and, uh, you know, to say the top 
20 to top 50 schools in the country that are Division One. They, they have not only amazing programs, but, but they have these amazing facilities from, from staff to actual, you know, weight rooms and all those other components that go into it. You know, you, you look at a, you look at a young man or a young woman who has the option to turn professional in tennis or go the college route. You know, if you look at college, you've got four years of a support network of other players, coaches, trainers, facilities that are there for you to, to, you know, work your way into it. I mean, nowadays you can still play a number of professional events as a college athlete. And many of the schools, many of the big schools will actually, you know, offer those on their campus or, or close enough by that you can still play. So the opportunities now to continue on as a college athlete, gain some experience, develop as a player, develop physically and mentally um, are, are things that you, you, you can't really overlook. I mean, you have to factor those in unless you're just, you know, advanced physically, mentally, and, and emotionally as a as a young adult, I don't know why someone would want to turn professional early on unless, you know, financially, you know, they, they need to to help their family or, or, you know, it's a financial reason and you're going to sign a huge contract with, you know, with Nike or Adidas or somebody like that. I mean, that's a, I think that's a different story, but, but those people are very few and far between. I, I do believe that the rest of the world has to look at an, an amazing opportunity is the college pathway. Mm. In in America, are there high school that specializes, say in this case, tennis? Because I'll tell you well, about, because in, in, in over here in Melbourne, we have like, we have sporting school, like high schools, and what happens is right. they just... You know, they focus on certain, say, say certain sports, say basketball. Like you, you may heard, um, you know, Ben Simmons from basketball NBA, you know, Philadelphia six, uh, 76ers. You know, he comes from a, a, a system where it's his high school. You know, uh, there's basketball court, and everyone just focus on, on, and he just focus on that. And there's a lot of academic he has to go through, so and so. It's, it's, uh, but I'm not sure in 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 America, are there like a school that's special like certain sport and and then people go, okay, you're from that school, so you'll be you should be good in tennis. Well, I think you're starting to see some of those come about. Uh, I mean, uh, IMG uh, has the facility down in in Tampa and Bradenton, Florida, where you know Nick Molitary started his tennis academy, and oh. and that facility alone has is morphed into. Know, baseball and basketball and football and it, it's it's an amazing complex and now they've got a, a high school there mm-hmm. that uh, you know if, if I just look at some of them the headlines their American football team travels around the country and they they play some of the best high schools from every state um, so I think I think you're starting to see that I mean just here in in, in Nashville uh, Tennessee alone we've we've got a, a private high school that built a $20 million indoor-outdoor tennis facility uh, just for their their tennis teams. And, of course, that's going to attract, you know, up-and-coming kids and and players, and it's going to be a hub for developing. Uh, I mean, they've got play site on two of the courts. I mean, when you invest that kind of money at the high school level into your facilities and your programs, you're you're bound to turn out, you know, better athletes that are – you know, advanced in, in moving that direction to high level college or aspirations of playing professionally. Oh, right. Okay. So, 
um, going back earlier this year, uh, and I would say one of the most interesting Grand Slam over the last three, four years is uh, the US Open. Okay, now I'm sure you you, you watched it, uh, some of them. Um, in in your in your opinion, what would you say one or two things that junior players across the world and all our listeners could learn from? Well, you know, this was probably the first year in twenty something years I can I can think back that I wasn't in New York for the U.S. Open uh, in August and September, and you know they they were able to pull it off inside the bubble and and with all the COVID restrictions, and I applaud the effort of pulling it off. I, as as a fan, as as a consumer myself, I I watched as much as I could on TV, but. You know, there was part of me that was missing being in New York because I'm, I'm usually there and with my friends and, and, you know, part of the tennis world. But, um, you know, I think when you, when you look at tournaments, uh, like the U.S. Open, any, any of the grand slams, I think, or even some of the, the, the master series tournaments, the bigger tournaments, I think the one thing that, that, that players, coaches, parents, kids can take away and, and, and learn from it is, is spend as much time watching the practice courts as you possibly can mm. because you will learn so much about, you know, just kind of what it takes to, to prepare yourself mentally, physically, uh, at that level. And, and, you know, we all kind of think that there's this, this magic pill or, you know, practices may be this amazing array of drills and activities. And the reality is, Many, many times it's a coach out there with a handful of balls or, uh, you know, uh, a laundry sack of balls that they've gathered up and they're, they're doing single ball feeds or they're doing drop feeds or they're, you know, they're, they're rallying hundred balls cross court, uh, forehand to forehand. And, and they, they do the basics extremely well. You know, when you go to a tournament and you go spend time on the practice court, you see the basics done, the, the, the things, the bread and butter, the things you've got to have, forehand cross court, backhand cross court, clean volleys, good movement. You see those things um, on every single court. And, wow. you know, if, if you allow yourself to just kind of watch that and soak it in, you can walk away from that and, and hopefully implement that into your own practices. Because, you know, as we know, we, we look at juniors a lot of times and, you know, even some of the college players, uh, you know, I, I kind of get on to my guys and girls about this as well. They, they go out to the court. There's no real prep for their body or their mind and they just start hitting balls. And, and if I let them do it, they're going to stand at the baseline and hit, you know, back and forth with no other direction other than just banging balls. And that's one of the things that you, you find when you're on those practice courts watching, uh, at, at the bigger events, how, how they go about their work. Now, I totally agree with you, the part where um, you actually be there and feel the vibe because on TV, you can only see so much because TV wants you to see the the, the fashion, the, the striking, the highlights and all that. But when, when you're actually there, you can actually see the warm-up and other, you know, other little details. So as a coach, what are some of the things, let's say, for example, body languages that you, you picked up over the years when player and their coach or coaches or team engage, you know, whether it's during a break or even during a warm-up or, you know, or any time when they're on the court? Um, you know, it's a, it's a really good question. I think that some of it is, is, is you know, you look at, at their head and their shoulders. You know, is the head up? 
uh, or is it looking down and droopy and, and, and looking defeated? Um, and then it goes down to the shoulders. Are the shoulders up and, and back and in this positive, strong um, position, or are they rounded and droopy? Um, you know, you, you look at on, on changeovers, are, you know, their breathing patterns, are they slow, deep, methodical breaths, or are they, you know, out of shape and they're just gasping for air or they're nervous and the heart rate is up? I mean, you're looking at, at those type things. Um, I mean, I think those are the, the, the number ones and twos to maybe kind of look at, uh, and then you, you kind of go from there. But, but you know, one of the things we try to do with our players is, is get them to start identifying not only what they do from a body language standpoint, but then also what are their opponents giving them. Mm-hmm. Many, many times those opponents will give you, will tell you they're ready to quit or they're ready to give up or they're ready to lose by their body language. And if you're observant and if you're, you know, Look at those cues. You're going to be able to to take that and add that to what you've got, and possibly be able to you know kind of get across the finish line with a win. Um, all too often, it's hard to to internalize what are you doing, and then also then look across the net and go, okay, well, what are they giving me, and then combine those two, two things for for the win. Wow. Now, I don't think I've never touched on because this is I've done. Uh, I think of, as of yesterday, I've done 200 convos. So for those who don't know, I've been doing, we call it, con- um, Australians, we show for co- conversation. So I call it convo. Yeah. So I've been, um, doing, doing one convo every single day since March and since here in Melbourne, we had the first lockdown. And, um, I'm just so happy that, uh, all the locals, the community actually, is, you know, spend time having a convo with me and, you know, coaches, players and all that. And I don't think anyone has ever touched on breathing. Now, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit specific here. <clears throat> what do you think, Dominic Team versus uh, in the finals, US Open final? What do you think that his breathing is like on the fifth set in the finals? Well, I, mean, I think probably both of them are, you know, at the end of their their span of of energy, and they're they're, they're trying to find a way to to, to push through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- those those players that are in tune with their body can find a way to slow down their breathing. Um, they can identify that hey, it's you know we're deep into this, and we're both struggling, and it's been a long battle. Now, who can keep it together long enough? to get across the the finish line mm-hmm. um, you know you go you, I go back to let's so say what two years ago at the Australian Open um, you know a friend of mine a local player here uh, from Tennessee Tennis Sandgren is in the fifth set with <gasps> Roger Federer yes and you know, it's uh, unfortunate, uh, and, he, and he loses that match right there. Um, and, I, and I'd love to kind of go back and look at it and, and see what his what his posture is like. I mean, I think I think tennis is one of those players who's he's worked really hard at doing the little thing. So you know, I'm I'm not saying he wasn't doing doing something right at that point, but. You know, it, it just it doesn't take much. I mean, the, these really good players at the highest levels, all they need is a crack. All they need is a small little sliver to get a foothold uh, or to get their, their, their fingernails into it, and then they find a way to kind of get out of those, those sticky situations or those bad situations that they found themselves in. Wow. See, that, that, that's a mind-blown. T- so Tennis Sandroom is from Tennessee. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Did you have anything? Well, uh, 
gone. A, a little known, unknown fact there. His his dad was the head pro at the club that I was at for about 21 years. So <laughs> I've known him and his brother Davey for their, really their whole lives. Just a, a great. He's a great uh, a great player. Um, amazing family. Uh, unfortunately, his dad passed away some years back, and his dad was a, a really really good player, and his mom was a good player from South Africa, and just. Uh, Yes, it's, it's you know sometimes just understanding and knowing the backstory for some of these players is is uh, gives you some some good insight to uh, you know maybe help others. <laughs> what a small world! Now um, I I got to touch see if we can you know see on the lighter side of you and uh, I myself are uh, really uh, interested um, in your surname <laughs> Riddle. Now um, how yes. many dad jokes? That you have heard or people have say, you know, hey, Bill, riddle me this or riddle me that. You know, what are some of the things you like to share just uh, to our listeners for a bit of a laugh? <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think definitely the the two at the top are, you know, riddle me this and then the Riddler from from the the, the Batman yeah. uh, movies. <laughs> um, most most of the you know the guys and gals that I that I know will will just you know re- refer to me as the Riddler sometimes, but you know it's it's. Uh, Actually, I've, I've done a few series of, of uh, social media posts uh, with you know kind of tidbits uh, called "Riddle Me This," and uh, it, it works perfectly. And so, yeah, I just kind of you know maybe as a kid it bothered me, but you know you, you learn to kind of embrace some of those things as you get older. Now, I got to say, uh, many many coaches I've I've had a convo with, and I find one of the skill set and element in their character is humor and improvisation. And I can definitely feel that in you. Um, would you say you are, or you can be a, 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 a professional and firm on the court? You know, you gotta you gotta execute certain decision. But at times where you're very flexible, you know, when everyone have a, have a bit of laugh, you can you can be a bit of a stand up comedian. Well, I mean, I, you know, look, I started off my career as an exotic dancer, and and I, you know, wasn't no making way. enough money at, at, at that, and I did not want to go. I'm just kidding. I, I did not do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, no, I, you know, I, I think the one thing that I have definitely learned over the years, uh, and and speaking at conferences and workshops and different events, literally all over the world, the one the one thing that I have learned to to kind of impart is is that bit of humor because my feeling is whether it's at a at a practice whether it's at a a, a large conference like a, at the Australian Open or wherever I'm at if if I can get people to first in the first minute to to laugh smile or just find a nice deep breath and relax well then then I feel like I've got you and your mind is more open to listening what I have to say Whether I'm 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 trying to give you information or whether I'm just trying to pass along something, I feel like humor is one of those things that that allows us a gateway into into people's minds and and an opportunity. Um, there's there's a lot of great speakers out there who have done amazing things in the world, and they they come on stage and they just start hitting you with you know the facts and the figures and how great they are and. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody, but I just, I feel like that's a, a tough sale. Uh, mm. I, luckily, you know, kind of being in the, you know, Nashville's music city and being around the entertainment world, mm-hmm. uh, I've learned a few things from, from country music and from the entertainment side of things. And 
you know, luckily have been able to kind of impart that into, you know, what I present uh, both on and off court, whether it be at a lesson, a clinic, a practice, or, you know, on the, on Heisen's arena. So. Mm. Now, um, so you're a bit of a, a polar bear because you're breaking the ice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, guys. <laughs> Now, um, yeah, uh, I myself is a bit of a music, uh, you know, and true story, I used to be a DJ uh, many years ago. Um, and I always love my, my music. Now, um, I, I know this could sound like a curveball, but um, what can you tell our listeners about uh, the music? In Tennessee, what are some of the histories and, and uh, big names coming from Tennessee? Well, you know, uh, in, in Nashville, I mean, you know, kind of where I live is is kind of the hub of a lot of uh, country music industry people, whether it be artists, uh, you know, musicians, those type of things. Um, anyway, th this is the center of of country music for 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 pretty much the world, and you know, it doesn't matter if it's uh, you know. Hardcore country, or if it's you know kind of uh, new age stuff, and we've got people, you know, uh, we've got Australians uh, that that are that are neighbors and live in town, like Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman, and wow. um, you know, I think I think the one thing about our area, Nashville and, and Middle Tennessee, is that you know it's it's a bit like L.A. and New York from the from the standpoint of you know industry people and stars if you want to call it that or entertainers but it's but it's very much a low key uh laid back and you know you you may run into uh Keith Urban at the grocery store mm -hmm. and uh or at the shopping mall and you know no one really no one cares i mean uh you know there's there everybody's just kind of you know we're, we're all just uh, people just trying to make it and Uh, some people are in music and some people are not in music and it just kind of is the way it is. And, and that's the one good thing I think about our area is that, that it's very laid back, um, as opposed to what you might see from a paparazzi standpoint in LA or New York. Wow. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, John Denver. <laughs> <laughs> Almost heaven, West Virginia. All right, let's see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a bit of fun. In the background. All right, what I'm gonna do is I'm going to go to a a, a, a lyric. All right, I'm you gotta say the next one. All right, here we go. Oh, All my okay. memories, ready? All my memories gathered round her, miners' lady, stranger to blue water. Next line, please. Man, you, you have literally stumped me. I know it's John Denver, right? Yep, yep. Uh, it's Take Me Home from, Country uh, Road. West Virginia. Take Me Home Country Road. There you go. There you go. I, man, you, you got me. <laughs> okay, so um, what would the next line be? All my memories gathered round her, miner's lady, stranger to blue water. What the next line, please, Bill? Riddle me this. Take, <laughs> take me home, West, Take me home, Virginia. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, let's see. let's see. Okay, here we go. Can you hear that? Pain on. There we go. Yeah, no, this is one of my. I didn't know the country song from Tennessee. This is the thing. Wow, interesting. Okay, well, um, lastly, but yeah. last but not least, uh, Bill, I want to I want to thank you for your for your time and uh, to to hit it with a home run. And um, this can be a, a complex question or a simple question. Now, this is something okay. I just thought that you know I want to elevate our tennis community as a whole globally. If you can right. give one tip, if you can give one tip for all the tennis parents across the world, what would it be? Oh, 
you know, for, for me, that's an, I, I think that's an easy one is enjoy the process. You know, wins are going to come, losses are going to come, but if you can enjoy the process of, of playing, practicing, competing, traveling to matches, I think I'm probably one of the luckiest guys in the world. I mean, I had two kids that played, played tennis. Uh, I, you know, I served primarily as their, their coach, uh, but they also got coaching from others. Uh, my son actually played for me here at, at Martin Methodist College. Um, and so I, I think, I think way too often parents get caught up in wins and losses and rankings and how good their son or daughter is and, and they lose sight of the, this journey that they're on. And to me, that's, uh, it's so important. I think to, to me, it's been uh, an amazing uh, ride. And I think that at the end of the day, that's, that's what you're left with. Cause at some time that it's, you're going to be done. You're, you know, the, the kids are going to not be playing anymore and, what are you left with? Are you left with good memories of your time or are you left with, you know, these bad memories? And we all know that that happens, uh, bad memories of, of, you know, horror stories uh, that, that, that come about. So mm. enjoy the process, parents mm. and coaches and coaches. Now, you said you have two kids and one of them is actually coaching under you. Um is it play, hard? Play. Oh, sorry, I play under you. Is, is it hard to yeah. be a parent and a coach? Sometimes, because is there a line? Because uh, we in, over here in Melbourne, we do have many parents are also coaches, and there were so many, so many awkward drive back home, and and the stories I've heard, it was just something that I find it really interesting. Um, see, do you have any tips on this kind of a uh, situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think one of the things I learned early on, and, and I go back to you know what is it I've learned through this process. Uh, talking with Wayne Bryant, who, who's Bobby Mike Bryant's uh, dad, and he served as a coach early on. I mean, one of the things he said was whether they win or lost uh, as juniors and they came off the court, he just gave them a high five, you know? Uh, and, and that was it. I mean, it wasn't, you know, did you win or did you lose? It was just a, it was just a high five, you know, which uh, is, is, is powerful in that um, it just signifies, hey, good job. Whether you won or lost doesn't matter. And I think that stuck with me for a long, long time. And, and yes, there's, there's challenges when you, when you coach your, your own uh, child. But I, but I think at the end of the day, if, if you, if the parent goes into it with the right mindset, if they go into it understanding that this is going to be a, a long, sometimes grueling process, and there's two people on this ride or more people, it could be mom, dad, and the kids, and then there's brothers and sisters. There's a lot of people in this car on that ride together, and we're always looking at at, at protecting those individuals that are on, in the car with us. Mm. Then, then I think we can make it. Um, I think when the kids get, um, you know, kind of segregated or uh, segmented off, and all the focus is on one child, then it, it turns into a disaster, and we we've seen that time and time again. Wow. Okay. Now. Um, before we go, um, how can our listeners find you when they're in Tennessee or uh, are you coming to Australian Open anytime soon? Well, I, I'm not sure. I probably will not be back over in January with with all the still yeah. COVID restrictions. I, I do have a, a young uh, lady who's coming to play for us here at Martin Methodist. She is uh, uh, Abby Rumble, who's uh, <gasps> training there with with Jason Lindman uh, in Melbourne. So we've got a, an Aussie coming to join our team in January, and I want to be here for when she gets when she gets off the plane. Wow. Um, 
but uh, yeah, really, really excited about you know continuing that that connection with with Melbourne and, and the rest of Australia. Uh, you know, people can follow along. Uh, you know, you can find me on Instagram or on Facebook at Bill Riddle Tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd love, love for them to kind of follow along and uh, you know put out some stuff. And you know, if you've got players that are looking to come to the states and play, then love to chat with you. Well, Bill, you are since you have a lot of uh, Australian connections, and you are not leaving this combo without some of the quiz on top of my head. All right, Bill. What, okay. What, okay. Um, in Australia, when we say servo, what do you think that means? Servo. S- servo. Yes. Uh, you know, I've not heard that one. What do you think? I don't, you I don't know. Servo. Servo. Uh, see you later. I don't know. Uh, servo means uh, service station. In other words, it's it's like a gas station. So you wanna you wanna fill up the petrol. So we've got a servo. Ah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, I'll give you another one. Uh, fair income. Fair income. Fair, um, fair oh, income. I know this one. Fair income. I, I I've heard this. Uh, one of my good friends, Emma Doyle, who's from oh, Australia. Oh, Emma! Wow. Small well. Shout out to Emma. I had a combo with her earlier. Wow. Yeah, fair income. Well, actually, yes, I was just with her last weekend in Denver. Yeah, yeah, she was. I don't, I don't know that one. Yes, I saw her. Yeah. Um, oh wow, she's Denver. Okay, geez, small world, small yeah. world. Okay, so fair income uh, for all the listeners out there. If, you, if I'm wrong, let me know. So fair income is like you kind of agree. Let's say, oh, you know, serving requires uh, a lot of hip rotation. And you go, oh yeah, fair income. You know, so it's kind of like you agree, and then you, you just follow with with uh, uh. with information. Oh, fair income. So. Yeah, so that's that's the two uh, I, I you know I thought that you can you can you can learn from. So if you say fair income to an Aussie, and um, he or she's going to give you a big high five. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or, 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 or they'll hand me some Vegemite. One of the two, right? Vegemite? Did you have you tried Vegemite? Oh yes, I've tried it. Uh, um, unfortunately, oh. uh, it's horrible. Oh, <laughs> sorry. That's right. My so, wife sorry. just had it this morning, and. Um, yeah, Vegemite is one of the, oh gosh, you know, I, okay, alright, well, well, for those out there, Vegemite, look, I would say, I'm not gonna say everyone loves Vegemite, and I agree with you, but when I, when I came to this country, you know, many years ago, I was like, you know, I'm gonna try it. I hated it the first few years, but then when I knew about, you know, the, 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 the nutrition side and ingredients, I was like, actually, you're gonna love it, but it's probably better to taste, it tastes better with butter. So, right. did you have it straight away, like a scoop, or did you have? Uh, well, well I've, I've tried it with, with you know, with butter, with mm-hmm. toast, with you know, uh, I've tried it with honey. I, to me, it just tastes like a handful of hot, salty dirt. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sorry. I mean, That's all right. uh, unlike most Americans, I, I did try it multiple times, and uh-huh. I just could not. Now, I, I do love uh, the the path. Yeah, the, the dessert. Yep. I, I mean, I can I can eat those all day, but but I just can't do the Vegemite. Vegemite. <laughs> well, there you go. Something that's uh, something Australian for you. Well, anyway, um, Bill, you have been great. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate this 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 convo, and I would love to have a convo with you somewhere down the track about more more fun stuff. And and most most people will, will agree with me. It's like, hey, Tom, why don't you just talk more about like tennis, 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 tennis? And I was like, look. <laughs> It's 2020. When I started Convo, the world doesn't need a lot of tennis. The world needs love. That's why Tennis of Melbourne is called City of Love, where, you know, yeah. I want to make sure that this Convo is timeless, where you can come back and listen to it five, ten times and uh, just have a bit of fun, you know. So, again, we all 
in my opinion, we all wanted to talk about how to hit a forehand or how to hit a, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, being a good person, be kind to one another, more love and more just more kindness. So that that is why I th- I feel like my combo sometimes people go, oh, that's a good question. I never heard that before. Well, that's the own piece. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah yeah. So um, I really appreciate your time, and I will give you a lot of shout outs. You know, and also for all the listeners out there. Thank you for listening on Castbox and Spotify, and be sure to. If you have any questions for Bill, you know maybe the next time when I do it, and I'll just start, you know, have you know some some other questions from both parents and coaches. So, um, Bill, before we, oh. you, yes, you want to say goodbye to our? Or would you? Did you want to say something? I, well, I, I just want to say good day, and uh, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> how was that? Uh, that was good. That was just, good. Uh, appreciate, appreciate the time to be on the show, and uh, look forward to my next trip down under. Yeah. All right. This is a bonus one. Ready? You said good day. You got to finish the whole thing. You say good day, mate. Good day, mate. Yeah. There we go. All right. Thank you, Bill. Have a lovely day. All the listeners out there. Right. My name's Tom. Bye for now. See ya. See you, Tom.